0: For the rest of us, let's take our Bibles. We are continuing our series in the book of Philippians, and we've entitled the series, Getting Your Mind Right. And as we come to this text, there are certain things we want to get our mind right as far as spiritual growth about. So let's talk about right thinking about spiritual growth. You know, uh, a number of years ago, I had the joy and privilege of teaching my teenagers how to drive. So much fun. It amazed me that a 15 and a half, just shy of 16 year old kid, knew more about driving than I did. (laughs) So, as I would point out things about driving and about the road, Dad, I had Driver's Ed. I already know about driving. Now, when you rode with them, it was a nightmare. The phantom brake on the passenger side does not work. I think I dented the floorboard a few times. And all of this was something that that I experienced because they thought they knew more than they did. And you know, as I thought about the passage before us this morning, I thought, how many times are we like that in our spiritual lives? We think we know more than we do. Some of us can fall into the trap of thinking, I have arrived spiritually. But the people that I know who are really growing in their faith understand with clarity that the whole spiritual journey is a marathon and not a sprint. It is in it for the long haul. We always have the opportunity for growth. When I was in seminary, I used to love to see our seminary professors whittle down those first-year seminary students who came in and thought that they were God's gift to Christendom, that they were there to educate the professors. And in short order they were informed that you don't know as much as you think you do. There's room for growth. So that's what I think we need to see as we go into this text, the importance of understanding that we're all in the process of maturing in our spiritual walk and our walk with God. So let's begin with the 12th verse. And as we pick it up in the 12th verse, we find that the Apostle Paul is sharing with us that he had not attained The position of really fully getting a hold of what it means to live that resurrection power that he talks about in the previous verses. You see, when we come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we experience change. We experience God doing a work in our hearts and our lives, but that change takes time. And it's something that develops and matures over time, and at no point in our spiritual lives can we come to the place to where we say, I've finally arrived. I am now spiritual. Look in the dictionary by spiritual, and there you will find my picture. That's not something that we need to say to ourselves or even think to ourselves, we all have this growth process that needs to take place. So look at what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus Christ has made me His own. Isn't that a great perspective? When it comes to spiritual growth... We are always in the process of growing and learning, and we should be students of God's Word. We should be striving toward the things that God has for us to grow us in maturity, but never coming to the place of spiritual pride to where we think to ourselves, wow, I've really gotten somewhere spiritually. Now, we can look back and we can say, thank you, God, for the change that you brought into my life, but we should never think, I've gotten to the place to where I need no more change. I'm perfect. In my first ministry, I had a college group of about 140 students, and in this college group, there were a couple of young men that came out of a faith tradition that taught that you could reach sinless perfection. And they were under the impression that they had reached it. You never met two more arrogant people in all of your life. It was amazing that they could come to this conclusion. But that's where they thought they were. They thought that they had reached this spiritual perfection. Everyone around them immediately knew they hadn't. Just five minutes of conversation with them and there was no doubt It ain't possible, and you haven't achieved it. But here, the Apostle Paul is is, is letting us in on the fact that this man who, who writes most of the New Testament, this man who is an apostle, this man who is the quintessential missionary, planted more churches than anyone can even imagine, this man says, not that I have already obtained it or become perfect. He hadn't reached that position, that place, to where he could say, I am now perfect. But what did he do? Rather than looking and constantly focusing on the areas that weren't perfect, he would strive toward further growth. Look carefully at this twelfth verse. He says, I press on to make it my own. You know what he's communicating? He's saying, look, I I haven't arrived spiritually, but just because a goal isn't immediately within reach, it doesn't mean that you give up. In fact, the loftier the goal, the harder you pursue it. The more you drive toward trying to see that implemented in your life, the more you try to see something transpire in your life that will cause growth. We need to push for that spiritual maturity, that spiritual perfection, realizing all the while, I'm never going to hit it. I'll never come to the place to where I experience this fully. But I'm still to press on. I like what the Word of God shares with us in this text, that we are not going to know everything that there is to know on this side of heaven. But you know what? There's coming a time where God will mature us, where God will bring us to the place to where we know what we just know in limited way now with completeness, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now look at this twelfth verse. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I have been fully known. Paul is saying that while in this life we don't reach that place, that level to where we say, hey, I know as much as I should know, we'll always be growing. There's coming that time when we stand before Jesus when we will know fully as we have been fully known. Isn't that a great hope? That's what we're to focus on. That's where we're to have our thinking directed. Understanding that during this journey on earth, I am perpetually seeking to mature and grow in my faith. But there's coming that time where that experience will be brought to its fullness. And I can look forward to that. Why will it be brought to its fullness? Look again carefully at that 12th verse. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me His own. We belong to Jesus. And Jesus will see to the completion of all that we strive for. We need to take that long view. We need to look forward to these things. Pressing on. Staying the course. Enduring. Looking to the completion of our faith. God wants us to press on because Christ owns us. I like the way Kenneth Wiest translates this particular verse. Let's look at what he says. Not that I've already made acquisition or that I have now already been brought to that place of absolute spiritual maturity beyond which there is no progress, but I am pursuing onward if I may lay hold of that for which I have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great translation? That's the perspective that we need to have. That's the way we need to look at things. But then we come to the 13th verse. And the way that we keep moving forward spiritually in our lives, the way I see sustained spiritual growth in a practical way in my life here and now is to do what verse 13 says. Look carefully at it. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I find so much wisdom in this verse. The idea that the way I grow spiritually is to keep moving forward, forgetting about the past, So important for us to understand. When I was a pastor in Indiana, we had a farmer who had these huge fields and they would look just like this, perfect rows. Long furrows. And so one day I said, Sam, how do you do it? Do you have like a special setting on your tractor that... Helps you to keep the rows straight. What what do you do? How do you do it? You know what he shared to me? He said, I find a place on the horizon, and I head toward it. And I don't look off to the sides, and I don't look behind me to see how I'm doing. I keep looking at that point on the horizon, and I keep moving toward it. And that's how I keep the furrows straight. What a great illustration for how we keep pursuing the things of God deepening in our walk with Him. We look ahead. Now this verse talks about the danger of looking behind us, and there are two dangers that come with looking behind us. One, we can look at our failures. Isn't it easy for us to look back and say, wow, I blew it here. I really made a mistake here. And then we can just sort of take up residence in that failure. And all we think about is the failure, and it accuses us. It constantly stands before us as a reminder of our inadequacy. We really live in it. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, loves to take our failures and throw them in our face and say, not a chance, you'll never grow spiritually because look at what you did here. Now We can't look into our past. We can't look at that and take up residence and allow those thoughts to cloud our hope of growing in our relationship with God. But there's another danger in looking in the past. We can rest on our laurels. We can look at a real exciting experience, something that God accomplished through me, and that can become my definition. At one time, I did this. And we can always think in terms of that success and then be satisfied with that success, and never do anything else. Even churches can fall into the danger of the good old days. I remember when we used to do this. I remember when we were like this. I remember when this was accomplished. And we haven't reached that hiatus, that goal, in such a long time that I now feel discouraged. Forgetting what lies behind, we press on. We're in a different place, a different time in our lives or in our life as a church, and we need to move forward. Keep growing in our walk with God. Keep looking to what He has set before us. I like the imagery that Paul uses in this text when he says, straining forward to what lies ahead. The picture that Paul is using in this text when he talks about pressing on in the 12th verse and when he talks about straining toward that which lies ahead in this 13th verse is that of a runner. Paul loved to use illustrations of runners in so many of his writings. And in what I understand about running, if you are a distance runner, there's that time where you hit the wall. You've run and your side is now hurting, your legs feel like rubber. Your wind is kind of out, and you're wondering, can I keep going? Can I press on? Can I strain forward? And then what I'm told is (laughs) you can tell I'm built for comfort, not for speed. But (laughs) if you press on, if you keep going, what happens? You press through that wall, you get your second wind. And you move. I think what Paul is saying in this text is (laughs) we need our second wind spiritually. When things get tough, when endurance looks out of reach, press on. Strive toward the goal. And God will give you that second wind. You'll see progress in your spiritual life. God wants us to have that kind of perspective, to look toward what lies ahead. And then look at the 14th verse. We need to lean forward pursuing the prize of the upward call. Again, the 14th verse says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, this imagery of pressing on, of keep on keeping on. That's the idea. We are to keep moving forward spiritually, not looking at the past, at our failures and our successes, but looking ahead at the opportunities that God gives us, and we're to keep moving toward those things. Paul said this to the Corinthians, Do you not know... That in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. Isn't that a great verse? This is how God wants us to live our spiritual lives, to press on, to move forward to think about what lies ahead. Paul, even at the end of his life, reflected on his life, and he said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Many believe Paul wrote this just before his execution. And what he's saying is, the time for my race is coming to a close. But this is the way I've lived my life. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I hope I can say the same thing at the close of my life. That's the way we're to live. That's the way we're to pursue this spiritual growth. But then we come on to the 15th verse. And as we come to verse 15, we see that we are to live consistently in God's truth. And notice what we pick up as we come to this 15th verse. Let those of us who are mature think in this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Now, what Paul is telling us in this verse is we need to line up with godly people who seek God's truth. I'm in a race, but I'm not in it alone. I'm in it with other believers. And you know what I find helpful? When I'm hitting that wall spiritually, I think about people who have walked with God a long, long time. And I think, how can I be more like them? How can I stay consistent with God's truth? The Apostle Paul in this verse was saying, look, listen to what I'm saying Engage with this thing and if you are mature, if you are growing in your walk with God, you're going to have the same attitudes that I've expressed in verses 12 through 14. You're going to keep pressing on. You're not going to look back. You're going to look forward. You're going to keep moving toward that spiritual maturity that God wants us all to experience. I love what the writer Of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and as seated at the right hand. Of the throne of God. This is the way we're to live. We have witnesses who have gone before us who have lived in this way. We're to look at them. And we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, moving toward Him. That's the key to spiritual growth. That's how we find that perpetual, ongoing growth in our lives. But then I particularly appreciate what else he says in this 15th verse. Let those of us who are mature think in this way and if anything you think differently or otherwise God will reveal that to you also. Now what I like about this is what he's saying basically is look I've given you a path towards spiritual growth but some of you aren't going to buy it. Some of you aren't going to embrace it. You're going to think, no, there's a different path to spiritual growth. And so what he's saying in essence is, hey, guess what? Eventually you're going to come to the path that I've just shared with you, that God shared with me. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you get so frustrated with wanting to see someone grow spiritually and you counsel with them and you talk with them about how they can grow spiritually and they just say, nah, I don't think so. I've come to a conclusion in my old age. (laughs) And the conclusion is this. I can't make anybody change. So you know what? I put it in the hands of God, and God will make that change in them. I'm responsible for presenting the truth. That's it. God is responsible for transforming them. I've talked to some Christians who try to change another person. And they do it out of love and concern very often. And you know what I share with them? Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let Him change people because He's much better at it than you are. And I had to come to that conclusion myself. I was just in a conversation this past week and I've said... I would love to have a spiritual sledgehammer that you could just bash somebody over the head with and say, okay, now you get it. But it doesn't work. We have to put people into the hands of God and let God change their thinking. And this is a very important verse, I think, for all of us to grasp. Yes, share God's truth, but understand that someone else's spiritual growth is up to God. God will change that person, not me. All I can do is share the scripture. God is responsible for the change. Last thought. The 16th verse reminds us that we're to hold true to what we've attained. Look at verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, what does that mean? What it means is this. Our spiritual lives should not be a roller coaster where I'm really growing and then tube out and go well below the plane of growth that I had and then go way above it and then go way below it and then way above it and then way below it. I go up in my spiritual growth. That's what God wants. Not kind of reaching that peak and dropping dramatically but not going below the line of where I was spiritually. I may hit little bumps and little peaks and valleys, but there's that sustained, consistent spiritual growth that takes place. Several versions rendered this passage differently. Let me read some of those for you. In the NIV and the Net Bible, it says this, live up to that standard. In the New American Standard, it says living by the same standard. You'd think that with the American Standard Version that they would use that wording, to the degree you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, that's the new King James, let us, let our conduct fit the level we have already reached, that's the complete Jewish Bible, and then the message I found very helpful, it said this, now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. (laughs) Really, that's the sense of what's being shared, now that you're on the right track, stay on it, Listen, spiritual growth is something that God wants to see develop in all of us. Our time here on planet Earth is brief. Even if you live to an old age, it's brief. We have limited opportunities for spiritual growth. So the key to spiritual growth is to pursue it. To strive toward it. To keep reaching for it. Let me encourage you this morning. Do some soul searching. On your spiritual growth trajectory, are you up and down and sideways and in and out? Are you distracted from the upward call of Christ? That call that He gives us to... Come and share in fellowship, deep fellowship with Him, looking forward to standing before Him to give an account of our lives. Are you thinking in those terms or are you looking from side to side or behind trying to figure out where your life is going? God has called you and me to spiritual growth. Pursue it. If you've stumbled Along your path, your race, get back up and run the race. Looking forward, thinking about what lies ahead. That's the key to sustained spiritual growth. That's how you keep going. That's how you will ultimately experience the promises of God as He works in your life to transform you, depending on Him. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for this text. Thank you for the reminder that it is to all of us that we are to press on, to move forward, to seek, to grow deeper in our walk with you. And God, that is my prayer for each one here this morning, that we will grow deeper in our walk, that we will see you transforming us making us the kind of people that you want us to be, and that we will not resist that transformation. Lord God, I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.